to listen. What? I'm a spider. Look, I'm a and spider. And I'm a rope to speak and you shall be obeyed. No. Look, I'm a spider. No. Stop it. Stop it. I'm a killer spider. Death to an insect. I'm a mosquito. I'm a fly. I'm a to episode 51 of the GorePress Gorecast. It's Guest Picks Month. Uh, I am your host, Dangerous Jamie. Joining me, as always, is the uh, the illustrious Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Uh, how illustrious, are you? hey? I don't know, really know what that means. It's just, <laughs> just a word. Nor me. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, like I said, today is Guest Month, so we have got a guest uh, with us today, and that is the marvellous Colin from Zombie Hamster. Uh, Hello to you all. Hi there. Uh, It's very nice to be on. Thank you very much for inviting me. Not a problem. Uh, Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, Stepping in at the last minute to uh, to save our collective skins. (laughs) Haha, no problem at all. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, You decided, you decided, you chose uh, Dario Argento's remake of um, Any Which which Way But Loose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Phenomena for us to talk about. That's it. Um, well, yes, when you asked me to pick a movie, uh, I wanted to pick something that, you know, not everybody might be aware of. And there's just something about Phenomena that, for me, is a really good gateway to give to people to get into Dario Argento. Yeah, I think I a lot of people start to try and introduce people to Argento through Suspiria, which can be that can be dodgy territory because, you know, you can get people who just completely reject it and will then never watch an Argento film again. Whereas I think because Phenomena is so sort of 80s and ridiculous, as well as being a really beautiful and very, very well-made film, that it will appeal to a lot more people than some of the slightly more artistically constructed Argento stuff. I totally agree. Mm. Um, Before we get deeper into Phenomena, Mm -hmm. let's uh, let's find out a bit more about uh, about Colin. Um, Obviously, uh, I'm aware of who you are. No, good. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) I don't really know what I'm saying. It's like a bad day. <laughs> I feel like I'm in like... Uh, shall uh, I just take this one over for a moment then? Go on, go on. Tell, <laughs> okay. us, tell us all about you. Uh, okay, well, my name's Colin McCracken. I have run and managed ZombieHamster.com uh, for five years now, which is quite strange. And I also write for a range of genre publications, which I will not list out now because it would take far too long. But pretty much if you pick up horror magazines, you'll find me in there somewhere. Excellent. Um, what what have you worked on recently uh, in terms of like features or pieces or whatever? Uh, features and pieces recently. Um, this month you'll be able to see. I think I've three three features in Scream. Um, I'll have a couple of interviews coming up in Shock Horror. I was recently speaking with Catherine Isabel about American Mary, uh, Scott Derrickson about Deus Ex and Sinister, and The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And in the new and Subsequent issues of Diabolique magazine in the States, you'll be able to read my History of Haunted Houses, 
Oh, nice. um, an examination of female characters in horror and the changing roles of women in horror. And also there will be, coming up in the new one, an examination of the physical, neurological and psychological effects that sound can create within the horror film. Uh, this was quite an interesting one, and it sort of sent me off on all of these wonderful little tangents of research, just finding out about these different experimentations with sound and the way that they resonated with people and how filmmakers have been alleged to uh, use these methods to try and create a feeling of unsettlement and disgust and sort of feelings of intense dread within the audience. And uh, yeah, you can pick that up in the new Diabolique. Sounds brilliant. It really sounds like something I definitely want to read. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. Um, so in the meantime, if you want to find out more, uh, I'm on Twitter, at ZombieHamster. And uh, you can always check out the website, zombiehamster.com. You've got a podcast on the way as well, haven't you? There will be a podcast starting, hopefully, within the next fortnight. Uh, that will be with myself and uh, the horror author, Wayne Simmons. So you'll be able to listen to two Irish talk endlessly about horror. Well, uh, you're yeah. clearly already like way better at this than I am. So. <laughs> I was about yeah, to say that. <laughs> you beat me to that, it. That, that, that's just unnecessary flattery for this hour of the day. <laughs> oh, you hear that? This is this is radio at its finest right now. That's it. That cough came with a prize. Oh, Jesus. It's so, um, sees you off. <laughs> could be. Oh, okay, well, if you drop at any stage throughout the proceedings, we'll just take over and act like nothing happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. We'll just replace you like on a bad sitcom. It'd just be like, there's the flies. That's just all you'll hear on my mic, just like. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, Excellent. Um, at this point of the podcast, we like to talk about what we've been watching recently. Have you seen anything recently that you've uh, that's lit you up or that's? Uh... Yeah, I mean, aside from what we're going to be talking about tonight, um, I've had quite a good run of uh, really good movies of late. Um, one of the films that I haven't shut up about for the last six months is a film called The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. And right. this is a, it's a haunted house feature. It's made by uh, Rodrigo Gonido, who uh, was, he actually founded Rue Morgue back in the 90s and has since become a really, really, really talented filmmaker. Uh, he released a series of shorts through Rue Morgue a few years ago and Rosalind Lee is his first feature and it's just one of the most beautifully constructed, haunting films that I've seen in recent memory. Absolutely fantastic use of sound. The location was a genuine location. They found this house in Toronto that was just filled with all of these antiquarian artifacts. And my God, it was just, it creates this beautiful atmosphere for the movie. It's about a guy who goes back to his house. Uh, upon the death of his mother, he left the home at a very early age because of her religious fundamentalism. And when he returns to the house, it sort of goes through her will, her correspondence with him throughout the years. And he starts to uncover all of these crazy things that she was involved in. There's religious cults. There's sort of occult elements. And it's just wonderful. It's really mysterious. And I thoroughly recommend it. I think it will be out on Blu-ray and DVD at some stage this year. Excellent. That sounds great. Mm. Um, aside from that, uh, obviously Manboard was absolutely brilliant, but we're not going to talk about that for another no. week or two. Um, <laughs> there was, um, let me see, The Wrong House was thoroughly enjoyable as well. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Um, no, I don't know if I've even heard of that one. No. The Wrong House is very good. It's like, it's, 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 it's about my radar. 
Okay. It's a, it's a little indie feature from the States, and it's about a house that's being rented out, and a couple of families go to see it, but then they all sort of get locked in this weird supernatural vortex, and it becomes like this sort of battle royale style family against family thing, where they're just trying to escape this inescapable prison in the middle of nowhere. That sounds brilliant. That sounds like a yeah. really clever, uh, sort of twisty, good idea. I like it. <laughs> it's a nice new idea. And uh, have you seen The Corridor yet? No. no. I'm, I mean, I've, this week I've been watching, or the past few weeks, I've just been watching, like, indie mumblecore bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything, of, anything of worth or anything of note? Um, I like Jeff, lives at, Jeff Who Lives at Home. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like Ferris Bueller, but, like, through a mumblecore prism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a nice uplifting one. It is quite uplifting. I didn't know where it was going to go. I, it's a film that's sort of best enjoyed as a whole because um, I was really bored like halfway through, but by the end of it, I was just in love with it. Mm. Right. Um, um, I, I watched uh, Cos- Cosmopolis. And how I, is it? Because I mean, I, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan, but I've heard that this is just even too meandering for yeah. certain diehard Cronenberg fans. I mean, I just I had no idea what to make of it at all. It's just it's 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 like. I don't. I, I just. I have no idea. <laughs> no words. Okay. It's so, it's but, it's very. It conf- go on. Sorry. I was just going to say. Was it confusing in that positive way, or was it confusing in just that I I don't know what I've just experienced here kind of way? Yeah, definitely the the latter of those two. It was. It's just like, here's a bunch of stuff that happens. This is the Deal end of the it. film now. Yeah. <laughs> but not even like surreal stuff. Just like, uh, this is a guy in a limo for a bit and now he's having sex and now he's not having sex oh he's having sex again like <laughs> that's pretty much it right all sort of told through the guise of robert pattinson yes yeah but it's an interesting role for robert pattinson um because obviously he plays like a a, a self-made young billionaire mm. um which is a sort of i don't know you could sort of view it as like a, a play on who he is in real life uh which is quite interesting but yeah that's about it <laughs> Excellent. And what about you, Sarah? Have you seen anything? Um, I've not really had a lot of chance to watch anything. Um, not of no. Anyway, um, rewatched Excision again recently, but we've talked about that on the show quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Do you just watch I that think... like weekly? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it three times now. Yeah, that's about it. To be honest, yeah, I haven't had a lot of ch- chance. Sadly, I'll have to rectify that next week. Let Excellent. me. Uh, I, I watched something that I completely forgot about that I'd never actually properly seen before. Um, and I think it might be interesting to talk about it. It's uh, I, I watched John Carpenter's Vampires that I'd never seen. Uh, okay. And uh, how did that work out for you? I thought it was great. I mean, it's a bit saggy, like, around the edges and in the middle and pretty much all the way through. But, like, <laughs> James Woods' is James Woods' performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can never fault James Woods. I miss James Woods, man. Well, like, we were talking about this on Twitter. I don't remember who I was talking to, but, like, there aren't... There's no, like, 2013 James Woods counterpart. No. Um, And it's weird. And, like, there's a lot of, like... I mean, obviously character actors... I mean, he's not really a character actor, is he? He's just a guy who turns up and is James Woods. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I'd never seen it before. And it's it's an interesting... I mean, it's not really that interesting. It's it's a fun look at, like, vampires in a fun way. Have you seen the sequel? No, I'd like, like I say, I'd never seen any of them. I'd just seen like bits of uh, the first one and yeah. thought, well, this is on Netflix. Why not? That's it. I, I rewatched Ghosts of Mars recently. 
Oh, I love Ghosts and Mars. It was great fun. I mean, you have Pam Greer, you've got Ice Cube. There's, there's, there's loads of great things about Ghosts of Mars. It's just a big daft pile of fun, I think. It's not like... I, it's, it's hard to enjoy it as a movie, like, on its, on its actual merits. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of fun, like, a lot of fun to, uh, to experience, I think. And that's quintessentially what Carpenter is. I mean, he's a fun filmmaker. He's an exceptionally talented filmmaker and a wonderful musician as well. But uh, I think people can get overly pious about that sort of stuff. And people sort of forget that, you know, films like Body Bags were absolutely, you know, they were, they were riotous. It was that Tales from the Crypt sort of uh, vignette sequence. Yeah. And uh, with Carpenter as the sort of crypt keeper. And it just shows that he's not afraid to sort of get in front of the camera and send himself up a little bit. Um, I mean, look at They Live. They Live is one of the most enjoyable, but, you know, sort of also ridiculous movies out there it definitely is yeah so yeah i think i think his later stuff shouldn't be written off and i mean i thought the ward was a complete return to form as well um, i didn't see the ward the ward is great man i mean a lot of people give it a hard time but if you just sit watch it as a standalone film it's it's atmospheric it's well written it's well staged it's really good excellent no, i'll check it out yeah hmm. i actually thought uh, of another one that i did want to mention go on. uh-huh. um managed to get hold of antiviral Oh, um, wicked. Yeah. Don't want to say too much about it because I have to review it for the release, but I um, mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed it. It's one I've been looking forward to for a long time. I think they showed the trailer at last year's Fright Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it lived up to it for me, definitely. Really, really slow burn film. The lead guy, um, Caleb Landry Jones, is just fantastic. And I'm definitely looking forward to see what Brandon Cronenberg does next. Definitely. That's wicked. Really, really great. That's great. I missed it at Horathon uh, last October, unfortunately, because I was actually traveling down while that was playing. But the responses that I heard were very, very positive. A lot of people mm. had a lot of, you know, very complimentary things to say about it. And uh, no, I definitely look forward to checking that out. Um, I'll be heading down to Twisted Celluloid in Cork next month, uh, which promises to be quite good so far. It's a film festival, a horror film festival that takes place in an old church. Nice. So they have the, the altar set up as the screens, and um, they've done Jean Roland festivals and things like that, but this February they're doing uh, a full weekend, I think it's Thursday to Sunday, and they're sort of drip-feeding us the film so far, but Maniac has been announced, and uh, Lords of Salem as well, so I cannot wait to see that. I've heard pretty mixed things about Lords of Salem. I think you'll always hear mixed things about Rob Zombie movies. I didn't hear very many mixed things about Halloween 2. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually having a conversation with someone about Halloween 2 the other night, and they were like saying that, yes, the director's cut does have an awful lot more. Now, I haven't made it through the theatrical cut because I walked out of the cinema. Um, I think there was just one fantasy dream sequence featuring Sherry Moon and a white horse too many. And uh, I said, right, I'm going home, you know, but um, my mind has been sort of changed recently. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to go through the director's cut and see if there is anything. But I know that there was huge studio difficulties. He was under extreme duress to get it edited and out there within a ridiculous period of something like eight weeks or 12 weeks or something stupid like that. Mm, Yeah, that does that doesn't help. That doesn't like foster a good movie, does it? Not really. But I think the Halloween movies and in particular with Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. I mean, he created such a really rich depth of characters and storylines within his first two features that I think to take over a franchise, I I just don't feel it was the right thing to do. I think as a director, he works far better, you know, using his influences 
as an amalgamation to create his stories and to create, you know, his world. I think that works a lot better. Like, I mean, you had this sort of neon fluorescent psychedelic uh, film in House of a Thousand Corpses, which is one of my favorite movies. And then you have this sort of dusty, gritty road movie in The Devil's Rejects, which is an absolutely fantastic counterpart to it. And I just felt that Halloween, because there was so much expectation and people wanted to see what they were going to do next with the character, um, I think that sort of took away from what he is capable of. And that's why I'm so excited about Lords of Salem, because we're going back to Rob Zombie's world. This is his creation, and uh, I think he's going to do some great things with it. It's true. I mean, he's an excellent filmmaker. I mean, there aren't many filmmakers that you that can show you this bunch of people going around slaughtering people and then make you cry at the end. Yeah. Just with, like, a song and a beautifully shot slow-mo sequence. Like, yeah. Like, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard your uh, your guys' thoughts on the first two films. What, what, what was your take on House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects? Um, I loved them both. Mm. Um, not very sold on his versions of Halloween at all. Um, mostly because, well, my main complaint with those was that he tried to uh, explain away Michael Myers' insanity, or, you know, g- give him a reason why he killed, and that was never necessary. I hate it when people try and do that. Um, but no, the first two loved them. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved them. I mean, I'm the same. I, I fall in and out of love with House of a Thousand Corpses on a fairly regular basis. Like, we seem to have a, one of those one of those abusive relationships where like we're, we're very in love but sometimes i can't fucking stand to be around him <laughs> yeah uh and yeah like house of a thousand corpses is it's brilliantly made like super uh throwbacky and low budgety and those are things that i love but sometimes i feel like well i mean i think it's it's it, it's the same for all or a lot of first filmmakers like this might be my only chance to make a film here is everything I have, and like we'll see what sticks and what doesn't. But like, mm. this is everything that I've got, because who knows if I'm going to get to do this again? Here you go. This is ninety hundred minutes of madness, and I love that. I mean, I for for me personally, that's that's everything I want to see in a movie. I mean, uh, I think we've spoken before about the Doom Generation, which mm. is another one of my favorite films, and it, and it's sort of similar. It's just as you say, 90 minutes of complete insanity, just, uh, I mean, more than you can absorb in one sitting. Definitely. Right, I'm, I'm very aware that we're going to lose you fairly soon, so let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about Phenomena because I'm itching and dying to get to it. <laughs> okay, okay, let's do that. If you fancy dropping us a line at the Gold Press Gorecast, there's a number of different ways you can do that. Um, you can send all your competition entries, feedback and comments to podcast at gorepress.com. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash gorecast. Or if you're on Twitter, you can follow us at gorecastx. That movie was pretty good. What? That movie gets an MG straight up. Straight up MG material. Honey, is that Robert De Niro across the street? Hey, yo. Sure looks like him. Can't be though. Yeah, you. He's calling to us. Let's just go. But it's Bobby fucking D, honey. Hey yo, that's right. It's Bobby fucking De Niro over here. Hey, a lot of people don't know this about me. Yeah, I'm mingling down here with the drug dealers, the pimps, the pushers, 
the low-level gangsters, you know. Honestly, I'm slinging some shit myself. You may not know this about me, but I'm a fan of podcasts. Yeah, I've been listening to these guys' bloodbaths and boomsticks. A couple of knuckleheads from around the way. You got John Smallberries. What a fucking name on this guy. You got Corey G. Guy's fucking half-retarded over here. Likes John Woo, for fuck's sake. Then you got Tim Gross. He's got the movie-watching constitution of a billy goat. Hey, find these guys at bloodbathsandboomsticks.blogspot.com. Long fucking name, but just go find it. It's worth it. You knuckleheads got that? Yeah? Bloodbaths and Boomsticks. It's on the house. from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness. idea why they behave like that. Never done this before. It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. See, he's not afraid of you. He won't do that for me. Ask him to lead you where the dead bodies are hidden. And he'll lead you. That fly is your magic wand. It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? I love you. I love you all. Uh, hello everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're talking Phenomena from 1985, directed by Dario Argento, obviously. Obviously, God. Um, <laughs> don't know where I came from. Um, Colin, you picked this, uh, you explained it a little bit before. Will you go ahead and give us a quick synopsis? I will, of course. Phenomena is the story of a young girl played by Jennifer Connelly, who was only 13 when she took on the role. And she plays the daughter of a very established film star who gets packed away to an expensive Swiss boarding school. Upon arrival, she finds herself slightly outcast by the rest of the children. Uh, This is sort of Argento's talent here playing on the 
the relationships that exist between adolescents. Um, but you are also drawn into a couple of subplots. Phenomena in typical Argento fashion is a very, very multi-layered film. So to examine it, you have to examine all of the elements that are taking place concurrently. So there is one storyline which focuses on a murderer. And there are a number of young women being systematically slaughtered in the area. Now, this is played in harsh contrast to the beautiful scenery of the, the Swiss Alps and everything else. There are also several mentions of supernatural qualities within the area, which I'll come back to in a moment. Jennifer Connelly's character also possesses strange abilities. She possesses this strange connection with insects in particular and seems to display upsets and irregular sleep patterns in so much that she hallucinates somewhat and can find herself in situations where she is sleepwalking to the extent that she is miles and miles away from where she fell asleep. I would um, generally like call her like a sort of bug carry. Like that's yeah, that's that like would be a really good comparison. For it, that yeah. would be a really good comparison. So in one of her adventures, uh, she you know b sort of wanders off into the the, the local Swiss town, and uh, she comes across a local entomologist, uh, a very gentle Scotsman played by Donald Pleasance, which uh, any horror fan will know as Doctor Loomis from Halloween, and um, appearances and other films such as uh, Deathline and uh, the like. So the two of them form a connection, obviously through her, you know, natural ability to almost telekinesis, yeah, telekinesis eyes? No, that's not a word. Um, <laughs> to perform telekinesis and to create the psychic connection with insects. The two of them then join forces to try and solve the murders which are taking place, all the while happening simultaneously to the breakdown in communication and relationships that she is experiencing within the boarding school. I hope that uh, successfully summarizes the movie without giving too much away at this point. Yeah, that's 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 great. Um, I want to go ahead and give give the things that I don't like about this film <laughs> off the bat, so I could just gush for the rest of the review. Okay, okay, go for it. I'll be interested to hear this actually. Um, some of the music choices are weird. It's got it's my favorite um, my favorite soundtrack probably ever. Like my favorite soundtrack, my favorite score, but some of the some of the music cues are just from who would why no, the, <laughs> particularly the 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 locomotive by Motorhead when they're wheeling out uh one one character's <laughs> body. Um, like, it's just, I I I just have to say I loved that. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I just thought it was so atypical for Argento to go in that direction. I mean, there's a similar scene where it does seem quite out of place at the start, where there's a girl sort of running through the um, the undergrowth and she's looking to try and find somebody or to find an escape, and Iron Maiden are shredding <laughs> on the soundtrack. And I mean, I just think that's it's it's a playfulness you don't often get from Argento. It's true. It certainly um, adds to the surreal feel of it, mm. if nothing else. Definitely. I mean, I think the third act reveal is uh, introduced a little bit late. Mm -hmm. Like, there are, there are no clues there to what's going to happen. We'll probably get a bit more into that later. But um, mm -hmm. that's that's another problem that I have with the film. Um, just because, um, you know, it's like, well, oh, we need to end this. Oh, here we go. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> this has been, it's been like two hours. Let's just whack an ending on it. 
So they do that. <laughs> uh, and I mean, it does run quite long, but it's, it's never like, well, I mean, the uncut version at least. And it, it's never like boring, but it does sort of linger for long enough to be like, well, I'm not as excited as I was when I first started. Yeah. Um, and some of the dialogue's pretty weird, but hey, it's Italian, so what are you gonna do? That's it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say in terms of the length, uh, I always find Argento's films to be quite contemplative. So you can just sit and really just watch the construction of shots. You know, when nothing's happening, you can just go, "Wow, that's a beautiful boardroom, and that's a beautiful hall shot that you're doing right there." And as well as that, it it maintains all of the sort of lighting structures that Argento made famous throughout his uh, Mother of Tears films. And, you know, that was one of the things I always used to introduce people to Suspiria with was just look at the use of primary colors, you know, and he does maintain that. But there's something very Hollywood about Phenomena, which I don't think he grasped in any of his other movies. And I just can't explain it. Maybe it's Connolly and Pleasance's presence, or maybe it's just the use of music, as you say, or the construction of the film. But I think it's it's almost like his American movie that he never made. I, I would totally agree with that. It's like, um, this film uh, divides probably a lot of Argento fans. Um, mm. And I think that it could be because of the sort of, the that it sort of bows to the excesses of the 80s. And like, it feels very like an 80s movie, an 80s Hollywood horror movie, but one that's really brilliantly shot. Mm. That doesn't really happen that often. Um, go on, yeah. sorry. I was just going to ask Sarah, what was your take on the sort of the structure, the characters within the movie, her experiences in the boarding school and everything else? How did this resonate with you? Um, difficult to say, really. I, I was watching some of the um, extras on the DVD before us, before we started recording. Um, and I think it's interesting that Argento always sort of chooses, well, not always, but a lot of the time chooses young girls to be his protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure what it is about them that he sort of connects with or feels like he wants to explore but yeah um i don't know it was it was weird seeing jennifer connelly that young she was great though she She was was. it was it was off the bat of uh once upon a time in america that he chose her yes it was uh sergio leone i think uh suggested her for the role and did you did you read or did you hear about the meeting that argento had with her parents no. No, I haven't heard about that. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Argento uh, sort of approached uh, Connolly's family, obviously, because they couldn't just ask her for the role directly. And she didn't want to do it at the start because there were several things that she didn't want to get involved in. Um, one, they were quite uncertain about putting her in a horror movie uh, with this sort of strange, obscure Italian director. Secondly, she had aversions to the nude scenes that were written for her character. Well, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I'm not quite sure at what point you're writing a film about a, a 13, 14 year old girl and then you sort of just chuck in a nude scene and hope nobody will notice. Um, and thirdly, I don't think she liked the original character's name, which was Martha. So um, she decided that she would come if they axed the nude scenes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. She didn't want to work with the chimpanzee either. And, and that's that was uh, <laughs> that, that happened. And look what happened when she worked with the chimpanzee. Yeah. <laughs> that's it that's it um so i think they there was quite a bit of negotiation took place at the start and they changed the character's name to jennifer because they figured that it would make it easier for the chimpanzee as well to respond to her real name rather than trying to give it two names and the uh the chimpanzee bit off part of her finger as well 
Exactly. Like, yeah. imagine not wanting to work with a chimpanzee. You'd be like, I don't want to do... Oh, it's bit my finger off anyway. <laughs> yeah. Perfect excuse to say I told you so, though. It really is. Yeah, most definitely. Which so, is what uh, we're all looking for in life, really, isn't it? Just the perfect excuse <laughs> to say I told you so. Just to be smug, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he did state that he wanted a girl that young for Suspiria as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all the characters in Suspiria are meant to be like 13, 14, which is why the dialogue's always really weird, like especially <laughs> weird, um, because they didn't change the script at all, mm. or very little at least. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of, I think it, in Suspiria, it adds to that sort of weird, otherworldly, supernatural quality that sort of permeates the film. Mm. Um, but it, I, I, I think it would have been better with children in Suspiria, I'm not going to lie. But. Uh, I, I don't know. I love Suspiria. <laughs> yeah, we all love Suspiria. We do. You know. Um, yeah. Got a note here that I think this is almost like the. It's almost like oh, what's the word? Like concentrated Argento. Mm. It's everything that Argento ever does. Like all of his favorite tropes and themes and all that stuff. They're all are all in this film, more so than any of his other films. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Like you've got your insects, you've got your, your sort of uh, what's the word, black sheep, uh, f- female child protagonist. Mm. You've got um, where's my notes? You've got your murder <laughs> mystery, you've got your supernatural <laughs> uh, stuff. There's like a fairy tale quality, the surrealist touches. You've got your offbeat visuals, you've got your fantastic color palette, and you've got an amazing mm. score. It's like and loads I mean, of breaking glass. And loads of breaking glass. <laughs> and people's yeah. heads going through glass. Yeah. And are we all, did we all watch the Arrow transfer of the movie? I watched both the Arrow one and my uh, Divid 2001 from 99 because I I recently just bought the Arrow one to sort of trade up. Mm. Uh, And so it was a nice way of saying goodbye to my old version. Yeah. Yeah, Been with me for a really long time. Yeah, the transfer on the Blu-ray is spectacular. It's beautiful. I mean, the transfer on the DVD, the Arrow DVD is just beautiful as well it's like i can't imagine like watching them like in such quick succession on on both copies and they're the same cut Mm. but the quality is just like exponentially higher on the arrow version yeah and it's just fantastic well i guess they they have a team of sort of very (laughs) loving workers and on there and they do put a lot of effort into constructing the specials. I know in the Blu-ray there's a Q&A which was taken from the Horathon in Dublin with uh, Sergio Stivatelli or Stivaletti, sorry. Right. Uh, it's just on there. So let's let's go back to the start then. We uh, we have this sort of beautiful opening and everything else. And did you hear much about the what the use of wind in the movie? Did you know anything about the story behind that? No. Uh, I I read I think I read somewhere that like the wind was so high that like she couldn't hear what the what Dario was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dario had a bit of a go at her. Oh, <laughs> this was was this Jennifer or Fiore? Uh, Fiore. Yes, because uh, I suppose we should uh, clarify Fiore Argento, Dario's daughter, is the first girl that we meet in the yep. movie. She's left behind as the bus pulls away. And For their field trip through. to the side of a road somewhere. Exactly, you know. Um, so she she sort of wanders around for a little while, and uh, the wind is howling and everything else like a banshee. I think the wind was supposed to be something called the 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 phone, phone, yeah, or the foon. No, the foon. I think foon. it was. Yeah. And uh, this was like a sort of uh, a 
howling wind that comes through the Alps that causes the locals to go insane and gave the locality the name, uh, the, the Swiss Transylvania, I think. And so she wanders around for a little bit, and I absolutely love the bit where she goes into an, a, a sort of seemingly abandoned house, and the first thing out of her mouth is, uh, I'm a foreigner and I'm lost. <laughs> Which, of course, is just what you say when you wander into a, a derelict building, you know? It's, it's, there's, there's, there's two times when you use that, that sentence very often. It's when you're getting cabs in London, and it's yeah. when you're in a strange house on your own. <laughs> So, um, so her subsequent uh, demise comes as no real surprise. Her, her, yeah. her death scene is incredible, though. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's probably my favorite one, apart from the sheet metal decapitation. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite one in the whole film, I'd say. Yeah, it is. It's very, very good. So from there, I suppose we're taken through the jennifer Connolly's story i mean that's used as a, a setup to establish the the murders and then we're introduced to donald pleasance's character um so it's made clear from the offset that he's working in conjunction with the police that he's helping them with their investigations um yeah. particularly through his entomological knowledge which allows him to establish when a murder took place judging by the level of insect, maggot, and egg growth on the corpse. And it's interesting that he did this, because a lot of the times in these movies, uh, the sort of renegade investigator, as you will, is usually working at odds with the law, or outside with the law. So it was quite interesting to see that he was part of the investigation from the offset, and it sort of steered away from the stereotype of, you know, I've got information and you just have to believe me! Uh, that sort of route that many of these films take. Yeah, true. Hey, I've got a question for you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way as I did, but do you... Do we? Are we just convinced that her dad's Paul Savino? <laughs> <laughs> I am now. <laughs> and, like, would would you feel the same way about Paul Savino as the girl, as uh, her little roommate person? I've forgotten her name. I definitely would not. Also, who has posters of their dad? Everyone Loads has posters of, of their dad. Loads of them. <laughs> That's not something I'm familiar with, clearly. <laughs> it Isn't was it, a bit weird, right? It's just weird that, like, why Cavino? Why Paul Cavino? Is it just a coincidence? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Wouldn't like to comment on that. It's, he's, he's not a very handsome man. <laughs> Paul really. well, I, think, I think Paul Paul Servino. It was a couple of years before he came to prominence in Goodfellas. So, did well, we was... did we know him from much before that? Paul Servino was yeah. He was in the stuff. Oh yeah. Oh um, good lord! Of course he was. He was in all the stuff. I think he was in stuff in the seventies, like daft action stuff. Like, uh, what's the one with Joe Don Baker? Uh, oh, I can't remember all those Joe Don. <laughs> Uh, Walking Tall, is that what it's called? The one yeah, that was remade. Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago and you forgot the name of it then too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad at remembering <laughs> the name of Walking Tall. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a digression and we shouldn't do that. I actually planned digressions in my notes. That's how lame I am today. <laughs> my other digressions about Iron Maiden. Well, speaking of which, uh, let's let's talk about soundtrack some uh, soundtrack and score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is what a soundtrack. Uh, I, pardon. What a soundtrack! It's incredible. Um, the the version that of the the main theme that plays when uh, Jennifer is following the uh, Firefly around. 
just gives me the goosiest of goosebumps. Like, <laughs> makes me quivery all over, like proper like butterflies and everything. It's probably it's a really my... beautiful sequence. Mm, it's it's a great sequence, and the 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 sound and it's so like overpoweringly loud and like almost like ostentatiously um like beating you around the head with this moment and it's it's just wonderful like mm. the, the i mean there's a reason why um claudio simonetti and dario argento worked together so much because like that partnership just like worked mm, yeah, definitely. Sure. um but I, I don't think it ever worked as well as it did in that in that particular sequence but the soundtrack all over is great i mean you got two uses of the iron maiden track uh, what's it called? Flesh for the Blade or something like that. That's the one. Cool. Uh, and that's that's sort of it's it, like you say it's, it's weird at one point, and then uh, when it sort of comes back, it sort of puts you back in the mindset of where it was at the beginning of the film, when you don't really know what's going on, and you don't really know mm. who all the characters are, uh, and that's that's a device that's not really used very often or often enough, I would say, or maybe it is just used often enough. Uh, it doesn't need to be overused but whatever like um that's all great you've got um who was the other guy that worked on the score simon i want to say simon boswell but that doesn't sound right uh no i've lost it it's gone sorry if you're listening other guy that made the music for this (laughs) correct it was simon boswell ah excellent well i'm not sorry because i got your name right (laughs) um Yeah, it's just like he did um particularly did the the song where she well the music that fall where she uh falls into that pit. Uh that's a bit mm. spoilery, sorry. But uh yeah, she he did that 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 song in particular. I don't really know what else. Uh I can't really pick out what's his and what's not his throughout the movie. Obviously the stuff that sounds like goblin is goblin. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, what else is on the soundtrack? Well, there's the the Simon Ball stuff. There's the goblin Material. There's mm. the Iron Maiden track, and then there's the Motorhead track as well. Is it, is and it, then there's there's another band too, whose name escapes me for the moment. But they do have a, a very peculiar. Uh, Bill Wyman, uh, according to my Divid 2000 box, which has got music by on the back for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Wyman's listed in there as well. Oh, okay. I wonder if the special features on this are the same special. F- I'm, I mean, this isn't probably off-air stuff, really, but <laughs> I if it's the same. We can edit this out. I never edit anything out. <laughs> like most of our podcasts are just me like coughing all the way through anyway. <laughs> That's true. Um I think phenomena is what you get when you take you take a giallo and you take Carrie and you take monkey shines. And Link. Yes. And you just mash them all in into a blender. Mm. And then throw in some goblin, throw in some, some uh, beautiful uses of light, and uh, I don't know, he's just, Dario, I call him Dario like my mates, um, <laughs> but like he's just got this amazing eye that I don't think could be equaled. I like obviously he's fallen apart now. A little bit. Yeah, like is this our second? I don't know. Have you seen Dracula 3D? Can we make that judgment until we've seen it? <laughs> Uh yes, <laughs> yes we can. Like, even like his latter day stuff that wasn't great, like the Stendhal syndrome and mm. Do You Like Hitchcock and the Card Player and all that stuff. That's not they're not bad films. They're mm-hmm. just. I really of... like the Stendhal syndrome. 
I mean, it's it was probably I think it was the first Argento film that I saw, or among the first because it was out on Trauma, and obviously that was a thing that made me watch films. It said Trauma. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they're they're all they're all good films. If it if it didn't have the baggage of like a Dario Argento, then mm. then it would be very. I think it would be received fairly differently. So would you say then that? Phenomena was one of the last great waltzes for Argento. I mean, there was Terror at the Opera two Terror years the later, Opera which is, is a fantastic movie. I think Terror at the Opera is 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 his last great movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, this 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 is definitely one of those. And he was he had involvement in the Church as well, which is a great film. I've never seen. I think I own the Church, and I've never got around to watching it. Is that um, Michelle? I have Suave? the Church, and it's got a great. Uh, I have it on VHS, nice. and the VHS cover is. Uh, a load of bodies rising up from the altar floor, Excellent. forming the shape of a demon. Is it? Is it Michel Suave? Did he direct that? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, one. he's he's got a fantastic eye as well. There's something about the Italian eye that is like very like it's un it's un unmatched in like the rest of the world. I think. Mm. So yeah, no, I would I would definitely agree with that. And there, that would be in itself another reason to recommend phenomena to people because you know it is it, it was him at his peak basically yeah I would say and so. you know there, there was no i mean a lot of people complain about dario argento's work over the last 15 years and you know some of the some of the complaints are, are justified and whatever but i think all of that is based on comparison it's yeah. like you say the dario argento baggage that people bring <laughs> to a movie it's like well you know you've made three or four of my favorite films so if this isn't going to be my fifth favorite film i'm going to completely exclude it exactly i like to yeah. think i like to think of the sort of the viewer as um tom atkins character in night of the creeps it's like <laughs> thrill me i I deserve this, so giz yeah. it now. And like, sometimes you just don't get what you want. That's it. Sometimes That's you it. get what you need. Uh, Although this, uh, <laughs> Phenomena also has a wonderful Bee Gees reference. Yes, it does. And a really badly printed Bee Gees t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Which I'm sure if you, could, if you could get one of those t-shirts, that would be a fantastic sort of reference to rock. Definitely. You know, right. if you... Okay. Yeah. Can we, let's get into some spoilers. Right. We're heading through the tunnel. Spoiler territory. Spoiler town. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a chimp with a fucking straight <laughs> razor. Yeah, I mean, we just... We, sure have is. On, we have to get on to the monkey. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, Inga, with a lovely peachy pink bum, uh, is... We didn't really mention this earlier, but she's Donald Pleasance's uh, assistant. Uh, Helper monkey. Helper monkey, yes. Yeah. Pray for Mojo. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, he points at something with a laser pointer and then she gets it. Uh, oh, I just got that. Okay, cool. <laughs> right, I've, 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 I'm, I'm fine now. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, like he points at her with a laser pointer earlier in the film and then Inga kills her like later on. I just, uh-huh. I just got that. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a, it was a really clever monkey. Chimp, I thought it was monkey, a great chimp. monkey. Uh, I mean, there's there, there's a couple of wonderful monkey moments in that, and I'm a big aficionado of monkeys in cinema. Um, it's it's something I'm very very fond of, and I think that phenomena is just it's completely made about fifteen percent better by the inclusion of that monkey. I would I would I'd definitely agree, mm. Sarah. 
Uh, tell us that. about your feelings about monkeys. In general? Or yeah. <laughs> specifics to this film. Tell, tell me. Um, tell me a monkey story. Tell you a monkey story. I don't know. Um, the f- <laughs> the first encounter she has with the chimp, when she's sort of been pseudo kidnapped by the two Germans and thrown out of the car or jumped out of the car, was she still kind of sleepwalking at that point, or had she woken up? I th- I think she was. I guess she was still sleepwalking because she doesn't remember it, does she? She remembered it in a flashback later in the film. Right. Because I'm not sure I would have the same reaction if I was in the middle of the woods and had seen a chimp but, extending I mean, like, its arm to me. I don't it's... know. I think you might be like, fuck yeah, monkey, let's go. <laughs> I don't know, because those fuckers can rip your arm off at the shoulder if they want to. <laughs> I think it was fairly inviting. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Between like rapey Germans and a uh, friendly looking chimp, I I'll the, take the chimp. The chimp, the chimp would have been preferable. You make a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah there was i mean there was some great acting by the monkey in the movie uh particularly in donald pleasance's final scene spoiler alert and oh, at the end that? um the the final cutthroat razor scene that was nasty that was nasty and if he you look so at the joyous, very end though. it does no, but it, if you look at the very end you know when, when the monkey lowers yeah when, it, when, when the monkey lowers the blade it's just got this face, this, this, I'm a bad monkey. <laughs> and you, you just know that. That's my favorite sentence ever. <laughs> you, you, you just know that, you know, that that monkey's going to be really remorseful. It's like, yeah, okay, I've vindicated my keeper, but now my life is empty. And I've got to carry this horrible, horrible thing for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's, you do sort of emotionally connect with, uh, with, uh, with Inga. And that's that's another sign of like excellent filmmaking. Most uh, definitely, there are a lot of films where they whack a sort of cute animal in there, and it's just like, well, this is that. That'll sort them out for a bit. Yeah, like canine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas, like, it takes it takes a strong, a strong filmmaker and like a, probably a strong team of like wranglers and trainers to make a good monkey people, movie. To make a great monkey movie. Yeah, this is. This is after Head. This is probably my second favorite monkey movie. <laughs> that was it, it is a good one. It is a good. Although I'm very partial to Link, as I mentioned before. Yes, Link is great. Excellent. Um, what else have I got notes-wise? Oh, um, she's sort of a throwaway character, but the headmistress mm-hmm. uh, reminds me a lot of uh, sort of a nurse ratchet type. I yeah, I was gonna agree with that completely, especially when they take her for the EE scans and things yeah. like that. She does have this nurse ratchet quality, uh, this dominating, you know, controlling sort of school marm element, uh, which was done really, really well. It it was. I mean, I've always had a little sort of soft slash hard spot for um, for nurse ratchet, and this character is like the same, like just incredibly sort of domineering and. And uh, fully in charge, like you say, but also incredibly sexy. Yeah. Um, someone who was made to appear less than sexy was uh, Daria Nicolodi, who I don't believe uh, took too kindly to being dressed down, as it were, for her role. But she sort uh, of, she, at the end, she like bursts out of that role mm. and, looks, and looks thoroughly stunning. Yeah. Is that when she's covered in sort of goo and screaming? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's I think exactly that might say more thought. about you, Jamie. <laughs> so once she, once she took those glasses off, let her hair down, and covered herself in guts, you know, she was pretty hot. 
Exactly. If, 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 if she's all that ended that way, <laughs> I, would, I would like it considerably more. I don't know if it's possible to like she's all that more than I already do, but yeah, I think that could help. That could help. <laughs> Oh dear. But yeah, I think that that was the end of uh, herself and Dario's already strained relationship uh, when he gave her this rather frumpy role. I think, like, I think the way that she bursts out of the role at the end is, mm. like, it's it's like a cocoon transformation moth type deal. Like, yeah. she she just goes from, like like I said earlier, the, the third act reveal sort of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she doesn't even mention that she has a son until the end of the film, anyway. Who is uh, a killer, if not the killer? I don't really. And you know. got that lovely "Don't Look Now" style reveal. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I don't, I don't know if you had this in the UK, but we had like two little puppets on late night TV called Podge and Raj, and they were just filthy little guys who used to tell like dirty little stories. And um, the sort of effect of the monster is slightly lessened. By the fact that he looks like one of these little puppets, <laughs> and uh, I'll link you a picture afterwards, and you'll see what I mean. Excellent. Um, and like, I think the third act reveal it comes too late. It's it's it comes out of nowhere, and it doesn't make a lick of sense. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I would I would say that you know the last act of Inferno makes bugger all sense as well, but it's still a fantastic movie. Mm. I mean, you it's know? not. And, and it does. It, the... does it, it, on, it allows for several really, really pivotal scenes in the film. One of them being the underwater scene, which again rivals the underwater scene in Inferno when all those bodies were floating up and everything mm. else. And I think that the underwater scene in this <laughs> is beautifully done as well. It's slightly less um, operatic, but it's still wonderfully lit. The colors are beautiful. You have this sort of slightly burnt, maggot covered little puppet thing coming after Jennifer Connelly underwater, and it looks really, really good. And then it leads into the final Connelly woman chimp confrontation that um, is, <laughs> it's is like just the good, the, the bad, and the ugly. That's <laughs> it, you know? Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to end a film mm. and, um, and a marriage, apparently. Yeah, that too. I mean, the bit where she falls into the goo pit, like some some for some reason that's the the, the part with um, the the Simon Boswell music that I that I'm very sure is his. Yeah. Um, like that bit gets in my throat and like I get a bit retchy. Like it properly <laughs> fully well, it's affects I mean, it's, me. It's, it, it's a pit of decomposed corpses that has liquefied, and she's getting mouthfuls of it. It's great. It's like that scene in Poltergeist. Mm. I mean, she comes out looking fairly clean, but mm. but like, it's wait, okay. is it, did that did that put you off or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not enough guts on her really, and she was yeah, yeah. she was only fifteen. I think we only fifteen years old. here, Jamie. Um, I got into a little like cocaine thing in my head then. I'm sorry, you did. Um, I've got another note here that um, one of the songs on the soundtrack that I read uh, was by Sex Gang Children, and. Oh, was uh, it, was it, that, that was it. I knew it was something like Alien Sex Fiend, but it wasn't Alien Sex Fiend. Yeah, so Sex Gang Children. Um, I thought it was Andy Sex Gang. It might be. Well, it's, just, it's they're the same thing. Oh, okay. Uh, Andy Sex Gang is the singer from for Sex Gang Children, and it's basically just his name of stuff and words. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> I once met him on a train. He was very drunk and drinking special brew, and he saw he saw me in my Sex Gang Children T-shirt and was like. Oh, I'm going to talk to you and be drunk at you for a bit. <laughs> and it was weird. <laughs> That's my Andy Sex Gang story. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I suppose um, 
One of the last things I'd like to add, just in terms of phenomena and why it's a great film, there is a sort of, there's kind of a, a few different plots running at the same time, as I said, but one of the main ones is the focus on Connolly and her extreme individuality, the fact that she's separate from all these other kids, that there's something unique and something different about her. I think the reaction of the, the schoolmistress that we spoke about and of her classmates it says quite a lot about people's perceptions of sanity and that she is so happy and confident to have found her calling after she meets Donald Pleasance's character that, you know, she's then regarded as insane. She reaches yeah. a stage where she's like, I'm from this broken home. Um, I don't have a lot of security. Now I know what I'm going to do with my life. And simultaneously, almost instantaneously, everyone around her goes, you're batshit crazy. <laughs> that's exactly how it happens and uh, I think it's it, it's interesting because you know it's it's um, Donald Pleasance has a line in the film and he says I know what it's like to be different you know um, what you experience from people the pity the irony the revulsion and the annoyance and uh, I think that's a wonderful line and I think it really summarizes the sort of the central themes of the film which is just being different and fitting in and uh, I suppose that would be one of the the final things I'd have to add on it. Excellent. Sarah, mm-hmm. do you want to give us your, your summation of um, of Phenomena and your out of 10 score, score please? I can do that. Um, Excellent. It's, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy it as a film. Um, it's insane. Like, most of... I, it, it was the first film in probably almost two years that I actually made notes on, which I think speaks volumes. Um, most of them were questions. What um, questions were they? Oh, I'm not going through them all now. Do you, do you want to level a few of them? Answered. Most right. of them have been answered. Oh, really? Um, Are you sure there's nothing left? Not I can think of. Okay. No, cool. I think we covered most of it, yeah. Um, How many of them involved uh, monkeys? Quite a few. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, heavy on the monkey questions. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably one of, if not the most bonkers Argento film which is saying something. I think Argento sort of comes across fairly pared down in this film. You think? Like, yeah, I think I think he sort of like all of his batshit things are there. Yeah. But like, he doesn't. I don't. I don't feel it's not. It's not superior, and it's not like tenebrae. I think I feel like he's um he's reining himself in a little bit. Like the script is wild. He's and all reining over himself in a little bit. I did not get that impression. <laughs> It's a story about a malformed serial killing dwarf who hot on his trail is a, a, a disabled Scotsman with a monkey wielding a switchblade, all set in a Swiss boarding school, and this is reining himself in. I think I mean like there's a girl and there's a girl who's sexy to insects. There's a, a girl who is sexy to insects. You're exciting him. <laughs> uh, he's exciting you too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. I, I I don't know. I just wouldn't see this as being you know holding back an awful lot. I think there's there, there would be plenty here for us to sit down and discuss for a full afternoon. You know, if, if, if time was permitting. So I, I don't think I would agree with that. That this is Argento reined in. I think this was Argento <laughs> letting loose with everything he had and know. really if, expanding on what he had done before. If this is him being reined in, then I want to see a version of this film where he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, I mean, like. Um, from a directorial standpoint, like he's 
He's, he's, he's like, just the meat, just the facts, none of the rest. Like, every shot is beautifully composed. Um, and I think he's, maybe reined in isn't the right word. Maybe focused is a better word. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd I mean, agree with that more. Reined in is two words, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think focus is, is probably a better way of putting it. Like, he's, he's got his head in the game. And he's not letting any of the chaff through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes chaff just gets through anyway. But like, he's not letting any of the any of the chaff through, or doing his best not to. And it's pure Argento, but on a sort of next level professionalism scale, I would say. Like okay. going back to you saying like this, it's almost like his American movie that he never got to make. Um. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 yeah. Sorry, Sarah, I took over your, uh, you did, your brother. summation there. Go on, go on. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great film. It's, it's visually stunning. The soundtrack is amazing. Although I do agree with something you said about the kind of weird edits at points. Um, some of the acting's a bit dodgy perhaps, but Jennifer Connelly's amazing. So. Donald Pleasance is amazing. Um, and I don't agree with what you said about the ending. I think it makes as much sense as it needs to within the confines of this film. It worked for me. Um, I mean, it, it works for me too, but it also is just comes out of nowhere. Like, it doesn't make the film... It's not going to drop a star rating or a skull rating or anything because of the ending. Okay. Um, sorry, I did it again. Carry on. You did? Um, I, well, that's pretty much me done. I'll probably give it like... Um, I don't know. I'm torn between a seven and a half and an eight. Go for an eight. I'm going to go for an eight. Why not? Cool. What about you, Colin? What's your final thoughts and uh, score? Uh, Final thoughts on Phenomenal would be that it's an outstanding film. As I said earlier on, I think it's a great film to introduce uh, horror fans who wouldn't necessarily be into Italian horror. Because let's not kid ourselves. Not everybody is you know, as obsessive and as enthusiastic about Italian horror as I expect them to be. So um, I think that it's a really, really good film to introduce people to Argento with. I think that it will ignite an interest and a passion to sort of work backwards throughout his career. I think he was at the pinnacle of his career when he made this. And I I just wish things could have gone a different way. I wish he could have continued in this direction. Um, I wish that his contract with Medusa didn't you know, impede him from making the sequel that he wanted to back in 2001 or 2002. I mean, if he'd have made uh, a sequel to this in 2001, it probably would have been crap. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I mean, I think he could have still done a fairly good follow-up. I don't know if Jennifer Connelly could have, um, re- you know, taken on the role again, because this was post-Requiem uh, for a Dream, when we all look at Jennifer Connelly in a very different light. Yeah, we do. And, um, yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, we do. We all look in a very, very different light. This is my creepiest voice that I can do. That, yeah. That's, that's quite creepy, yeah. <laughs> so, um, in terms of scores, scores are something I don't do an awful lot. Um, but I think for this, if I was to give it a score, I'd go with an 8.5 out of 10. Um, like I said, I think it's a fantastic movie. Great soundtrack. Really good 80s horror, as well as being a really good Argento film. Go pick up the Blu-ray, go pick up the DVD, check it out, it's wonderful. Yeah, the DVD uh, is currently £5 in FOP, uh, the Arrow release, so if you haven't already got it, then go get it right now, because that's cheap as hell. Mm. Great stuff. 
a lot of the Arrow releases are currently five pounds in FOP. It's great. I've been I've been slowly picking them all up. Awesome. Um, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with with you guys on on uh, almost all the points. It's it's um, it's sublime. It's a, like a rapturous experience. Like it's a total experience movie. Some people might claim that it's style over substance. It's Argento. Who cares? Like <laughs> it's. It's, it does seem to divide audiences, maybe because, like I said, the excesses of the 80s, maybe because it's not your, your regular giallo, but again, who cares? It's f- fucking fantastic. I've sweared very little in this film. Sweared? Sworn. <laughs> I've not done very much swearing in this in this episode, and so... Um, Making it's, up it's, right now. Just to make this point, really, like, to hammer this point home, this film is fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, like, probably... Nine, nine out of ten. Oh wow! Uh, I didn't know this before before yesterday when I watched it again. But this is my favorite Argento film. Uh, I always thought it was. I always thought it was Tenebrae. Mm. It's not. It's this. this. Excuse me. Like the, <laughs> the feeling. You just negated the entire sentence before that, but like the feeling um, that I get when I watch this, it's unlike a feeling that I get, like unlike any other film. I get sort of giddy with excitement, and this uh, these days, this is the only film that sort of affects me that way, um, and it's it's incredible. And if you haven't watched it, you've had it spoiled for you, but go watch it anyway. Um, and if if yeah, just wow, I love it. I thoroughly love it. Nine. I might even go nine point five. I could go ten, but it's I mean, it's not perfect. But out of like sheer. Um, excitement for this film i could go to i could go to a 10 <laughs> okay so that's that's 8.59 9.5 and then eventually 10 excellent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably stop because there's nowhere for you to go now it's true um <laughs> right let's 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 end it there i had a great okay. time talking with you colin and I'm, I'm hey guys listen to so much for having me on it's, it's, it's greatly appreciated it's lovely um, to, to stand and get to talk to you again yeah brilliant uh do you want to plug your your links and stuff just again yeah yeah um like i said if come to zombiehamster.com all one word uh we're on twitter at zombiehamster, and the, they do the facebook thing but nobody ever looks at that anymore anyway so yeah just come by the website say hi uh it'd be lovely to hear from you all and uh yeah take care excellent i can't wait to hear the podcast that you guys come up with because it's gonna be like no doubt it's gonna be infinitely better than, than this one <laughs> Ah, stop. We'll see how it works out. You know, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we've got everything set up now, and it's literally a case with an evening book this week. We're going to sit down, chat for a couple hours, edit it down, and uh, hopefully get it out within the next fortnight. Brilliant. Um, have you got a name for that yet? Is that going to be? Is that got a link to no, go with it? No, we, we haven't got a name or anything. We're just sort of running as a zombie hamster podcast for now. Uh, but I'm sure we'll come up with something witty before then. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything that you want to add at the end here, Sarah? Anything to uh, to plug? Oh, oh, do you know what? Um, go, go to um, uh, sugarandvice.com and buy some of Sarah's stuff. <laughs> Sarah's stuff because, um, yeah, it's dead good. And I'm plugging it here because you never will. You should do some phenomena-based insect stuff now. I might have to now, yeah. We didn't really talk good. about the insect wrangling at all, and I feel like this podcast is all the worse for it. But <laughs> we are so out of time. So uh, let's end it there. Normally, this is where I would play a song that uh, is linked vicariously 
Tenuously. Tenuously is probably a better way of saying it, yeah. <laughs> like, tenuously linked to the title of this film. But this, this, this song, the music on the soundtrack is so fantastic that I'm just going to play the uh, the alternate version of the, the Phenomena theme by Goblin because it's fucking brilliant. Great stuff. And nobody made a something like a Phenomena joke throughout the whole show. <laughs> I was really impressed. There was there was one point when you said Phenomena and I was really, I had to stop <laughs> myself from going do 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 do. <laughs> Good stuff. Alright guys, listen, I'm going to duck out. I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you very much for having me on today. Uh, it's greatly appreciated and I hope to extend the same courtesy to you guys once we're up and running. Brilliant. It was great having you. Excellent. You too. Take care. Bye. 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 Phenomena. 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 <laughs>